and welcome to the podcast. This is God Dots Podcast, episode two. You could call this pilot part two with uh, Charles Minky, um, who is standing up for some reason. Who knows I, why? I have to start my camera. You, oh, you got... he has to start his camera. That you makes sense. Me three, two, one, you jack-o'-lantern. Well, I'm keeping this as the intro. So, this podcast is Ministry Stories and Those You Meet Along the Way. Um, so me and Charles, kind of a quick background. I met Charles all the way back in 2016, which isn't really all that far back, but it kind of is. Um, it's quite a few years ago. We both went to the same ministry together called Go Ministries International. Um, yeah. and I was there for five years. He was there for four years, but yet he was there before me as a renter. And I'm sure we'll get into his story some today because that's what today is last week. You listen to my story kind of poorly, I would say. I Hopefully you got some enjoyment out of it. Um, but this week is better than ever. And we've got Charles, you know, kicking it off. But first we have, what do we have, Charles? A story, a tale, and a lie. And I believe it is your turn it to is. say the story, the tale, and the lie. Do it's, you want to explain how this works or do you want me to? Uh, you can. Okay, I'll, I'm going to do it then. Uh <laughs> Okay, so we each have some apple cider vinegar. Okay, if anybody doesn't know what apple cider vinegar tastes like, it's extremely strong. And taking it, this is probably about a double shot. Okay, did you take a little pre-taste? No, I smelled it. You smelled it. Okay, and you know, let, me, let me give it a. Mine looks darker than yours, dude. It is so. It, it the smell is so strong it makes my mouth water. <laughs> dude, it's <laughs> it's strong. Um, okay. Wait, are are you doing it? <laughs> No, you're still doing it. Oh, okay, my bad. Okay, so a story, a tale, and a lie. This segment is where we play a game. You're going to tell me a story, which is totally true about your life. You're going to tell me a tale, which is half true, half lie. And you're going to tell me a lie, but you're not going to tell me which one's which. Yep. At the end of it, I have to guess which one's which. If I guess wrong, I do a shot of this. If I guess right, you do a shot of yours. Yep. Any questions? Any questions, audience? <laughs> all right okay um well okay the only thing is i do and we're not going to change it today because i believe it's a little unfair for you because last week i do you think getting three out of three is difficult do you think getting two out of three would be more apt for a win than three out of three you know what we'll discuss this after later okay because i want to i want to i want to win right. <laughs> i almost said i want to lose but okay. <laughs> Um, well, actually, you know what? Let's change it up. If you get two out of three, um, we both drink. What? No, let's not change it up. I want to do three out of three. I don't want to drink anything. All right. So this is a story, (laughs) a tale, and a lie. Mad edition. All right. So the first. Let me write these down. Let me write these down. Don't, don't, don't. Okay. I have my, I have my sharp, sharpie. Okay. My Sherpa. Okay. Um. Okay, give it to me. I'm ready. All right, so the first first thing I have to say. Yep. So this past week, I've been dog-sitting because this family has been gone. And one day, I came back, and one of the couch cushions was completely gone. So I came, I came indoors, and it looked like Christmas in there, just everywhere, stuffing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I ended up taking the dog outside on the line and I had to clean it up quick. And then I had to contact 
who I'm dog-sitting for and be like, hey, I'm sorry, your okay. couch is gone. Damali. Um, second one is I was driving down the road one late night after working a shift at One Pizza late Hut. night. Okay, we'll, we'll see about this. Well, yeah, it was after working at night shift at Pizza Hut. And I was just driving, and as soon as I pulled up to, you know, the road right before I entered my driveway, I noticed there was a giant tree that fell over and blocked the way. And I was hmm. like, shoot, this is like midnight. So you know what hmm. I do in this stormly, stormy weather? Weather? Sorry. I just park my car there, and I go inside, and I take a nap. And me and my dad deal with the tree the next day. Next morning. Um, and then my other my other story or whatever is um, one day, this was quite a few years back, me and my brother, we lived in the country, and um, we always went down to the creek. And what we would do is we'd swim for hours at this creek playing in the mud. Come to find out it was a lot of, like, cow pies mixed in there because there was cows mm. near. Come but we'd, like, that. throw okay. the mud, get all muddy. And so we were walking back, and I was like, you know, we, we had this pump outside. And so I went there, went to the pump, had my hand on the pump um, while I was washing my shoes, you know, off, because they're muddy feet. And uh-huh. all of a sudden, my hand was stuck, and I couldn't move it. And mm. it felt like electric eels were going up. Needless <laughs> okay. to say, I was getting shocked, and I couldn't move. And so oh, my wow. brother had to knock me off. Um, needless to say, we stopped using that pump because there's something something messed up. So that, one of those was a story, a true story. Yep. One of those was a tale. Yep. So half-right story, and one of those was a complete lie. I, I hate to bum you out, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to guess this really easy. Okay. Okay. Do you want me to explain to you why after or, or before? Uh, I want to st- just just pull the... Pull the okay. So pull the couch cushion is half true. It's a tale. Okay. The, the tree in the middle of the road and you slept before moving it is completely a lie. And the electrocuted pump... Is completely true. What's your secret? Is that right? That is right. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> uh, this is why. This is okay. why. And How did you know, <clears throat> it was really obvious. Oh, because you looked at my note. That's I looked right at here. I looked at your note exactly. No, mm. the reason why is because the couch cushion gone. I knew you were, you were actually dog sitting because you told me earlier in the week. You used a pertinent story that I already knew, so I knew this one was at least half true or all the way mm. true. Okay, you also told me that the dog was super chill. Okay, when I, we were talking, what? I remember did I tell you, you that. No, I walked in this morning, and you know what the dog did? What? The dog somehow got into the bathroom. And destroyed like a toilet paper roll and peed on the floor. Oh, really? That's okay. what I walked into. This dog is nuts. Anyway, 
Okay, well, wow. I, I guess I could have been wrong then. So I thought I well, remembered the dog being you really were, chill. You were you showed, wrong. You showed me a FaceTime. You showed me a FaceTime with the dog sitting on the couch next to you. It looks super chill. So I might have added that in. So I was like, okay, chill. The next story, you said, you said once you in the beginning, you said like once upon a time or once like it it felt so narrated and like that this wasn't a real thing. Man, and I third, thought I got you with the. Fact that I worked at Pizza Hut, which I did for a time. Uh-huh. No, uh, and then you did the electrocuted pump, and all the details were so real. You even added little stuff, like, and obviously we, didn't, we couldn't use that pump anymore. And so it felt so genuine, and it felt like such a real story. Um, that dang. It just, yep. You know, I'm I was going to add in I'm how sorry. we found out is my dad took it apart, and there was completely exposed wires. Is that what it was? Yeah. Wow. So the pump, like in there, had completely exposed wires. And oh wow! So anyway, I guess I'm. Oh yeah. That's two weeks in a row, and I'm really sorry. Yeah, this this two weeks in a row. Hopefully the third. Hopefully we can get Erica for next week. Yeah. Which I just said. I hopefully she's down for next week. That's Otherwise, my wife, y'all. If you guys don't know. Otherwise, the people will be disappointed. All right, I'll drink, I'm I'll drink this. Kool-Aid this, with you. This is a lot. That's not going to help. Oh, my gosh. So I have to drink this whole thing? You have to take a shot of it. I'm going to take a shot at it. But... Do you know how to take a shot? I don't. I do. But the... <laughs> how you do it, okay, don't breathe out of your nose, first and foremost. Go in your mouth swallow get it down for a second and before you get it all the way down before you take any breath at all and specifically don't breathe through your nose if you breathe before through your nose or right after through your nose or if you breathe while it's in your mouth it's really intense i'm not gonna think about it okay all right just do it whoa that's a lot oh big boy that's gonna burn Oh, I need to add less. I really need to invest in a shot glass. Oh. Is your face hot? It makes your face warm. Yes, it is. I I am sweating. I know. It makes your face warm and then you sweat. Your stomach's going to feel warm and tingly. Oh, gosh. Stop. Yeah. Here, I'm going to take half a shot with you. No. Just for solidarity. Watch. Here's the thing. I'm going to be a little... I think I'm going to be a little better with it. It's been a minute, okay? (coughs) You did the whole thing. You're an animal. Are you okay? Do I need to start interceding right now? Uh, no, just dealing with the throat. My body's rejecting me, personally. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's choices. what I was dealing with. Okay, that was really intense for a second. I feel a little bit like I'm going to throw up. Um, <clears throat> you didn't have to do it at all. I know, but I, 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 I felt like the Lord told me to. 
I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so the next segment, I believe, is is the is the segment, right? Um, Which is you. Yeah, yeah. It's story time. Yep, you ask me. Okay, story time. You have 20 to 40 minutes on the clock. Give us your ministry experience, the nitty-gritty, the boring, the untold parts, the awesome parts, everything. Okay. So what I get out of this and what I did last time was, what's your story, man? That's my story, man. Okay, so I'll make this not 40 minutes because we're already at a 20-minute opener. Okay, so parents, are, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a short synopsis in the beginning to get to the relevant parts. Um, parents are pastors. I grew up in church. And uh, in my whole life, I never really met God, but I'm in church for sure, 100%. By the time I'm 13 or 14, I'm leading worship on uh, the youth band. I have one other girl from school leading with me. There's a kid from church that's playing drums. I have one of the youth leaders who's screaming He's because we had a screamo band back in the day for youth. Basically, I'm dating this girl while I'm a youth leader. And here's the thing. I don't know what your guys' perspective is on ministry. But while I'm leading youth, I'm also sleeping with my girlfriend on the side, looking at pornography. And uh, uh, But this is way before drugs because I'm 14 or 15-year-old. I didn't get into drugs until after high school, um, which was a blessing because a lot of people have some really hard times getting into drugs before high school is over. And, I mean, there's no good time to be addicted to drugs, obviously. But... It's better when you're an adult than it is when you're a child. So I'm leading youth, yada, 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 and I'm going up through youth ministry. My parents have to leave a church. Basically, they get voted out of the, of, of the pastor. Well, they didn't get voted out. The church had a split, and my parents decided to leave before the church split as the pastors. And they were like, you know what? We don't want to be involved with the church split. And so they left before the church split as the pastors, and they started a new work. Um, so <clears throat> basically— at this point, I am growing up. I'm like 18 or 19. We're going to this new church, Generation Church. I'm still in church. I'm not doing any leadership stuff or anything like that, and I've really wandered. So one of my best friends in the world, um, I've never smoked weed before. And so he tells me, and he goes, okay, well, dude, let's go try weed. So he goes over to his cousin's house. Her name was, it doesn't matter, I guess. <laughs> we go over to her cousin's house, and uh, we ask for the first time, and he's like, will you get us high? We didn't even know to ask how to smoke or anything like that. We just asked her, will you get us high? And she's like, she kind of laughs like kind of weirdly. She's like, uh, sure. So we smoke for the first time. Nothing happens. Well, I found out later on that usually the first or second time, nothing really happens in third and fourth because your body has to reacclimate to a, uh, it's like a new drug coming in or an, a new active compound. Um, <clears throat> so long story short, uh, basically I start using drugs at that point with Jabari and after that point, we start going down a road, and it's probably six to seven years of heavy drug use. And I go from weed over to drinking, because I was working at Walmart for T-Mobile. I start drinking, I start going to parties, and before you know it, I'm waking up in random girls' beds, going to parties, just absolutely wild. And I go all the way, and then I meet another friend who introduces me to pills and cocaine. I say this all to say, because it's going to sum up why I go to Go Ministries. And uh, <clears throat> so I start doing uh, prescription pills. I find out I love them. I start doing them a lot for like two, three, four years. And uh, finally, at the end of it, I remember <clears throat> um, at this point, I've already gone through an abortion. I'm going to skip through all this, okay? And I'm going to get to the ministry part. 
I have an abortion. Uh, we have a miscarriage. We were on a bunch of drugs and she was pregnant and she passed the baby on a toilet. Um, <clears throat> then another time she got pregnant and I was super excited about it. So we named the baby after we named the baby a month later, she said, okay, fine. And the baby's name was Carter. doesn't matter. But, um, after we named the baby, she was like, cool, we can keep it. But here's the thing. You have to get clean. So about a month in four weeks in, um, I'm not clean on my computer. I'm video gaming. I'm still high as she goes, you know what? You're not going to change. And she walks out of the room. I didn't stop playing video games at the time. And I'm high as a kite. And she, she calls and gets an abortion. Later on during these weeks, she asked me to support her. She's like, why aren't you supporting me during this? Like, this is what I have to do. And I was like, I can't support you for an abortion. Like, I can't give you money. Like, she wanted monetary because it costs like 300 bucks. So she's like, well, I want money for this abortion because it's going to cost me money. And I'm like, I'm not going to give you money to kill a child. Like, I'm just not on board. And so, and you know, at the time, I felt really pigeonholed, like in the sense of like, no, I'm moral. Like, I'm not going to kill a baby. But at the same time, I wasn't making the choice to get rid of drugs. Now, I'm not saying it was okay, but she was in a different moral place. An abortion, she had already had two, maybe one to two, maybe even three abortions before me. So the point was, is I didn't know one, who I was dating two what choices she would make. And she gave me an ultimatum. She said, if you want the baby, I just never thought in a million years that the ultimatum was, if you don't want me to abort this baby and what she didn't say, but if you don't want me to abort this baby, you need to get clean. So I'm just saying there was responsibility on my part. And, uh, So basically, you know, she ended up getting an abortion. It was probably one of the hardest days of my whole life. I really wanted to kill myself. And uh, right after she gets the abortion, she texts me and she goes, hey, I just got the abortion. Do you want to see a picture of the ultrasound? And I went like nuclear, like I like exploded and I like didn't understand. I was like, why would you want to show me a picture of the baby that you just killed, that you just had an abortion? Whatever your whoever's listening to this, whatever your personal choice is, you know, I'm going to say killed or decided to make your own choice or whatever, whether I believe in it or not. I don't want to make you guys feel like you're like baby killers just because you believe a different way. Uh, but she decided to get that thing, whether I'm on board or not. And uh, it destroyed me. It was really tough. You know, even though it's not my personal decision or how the world decides to coin it, you know, it sucks and it feels like a a personal decision that blows. Long story short, at this point, it's after this, I'm, I got 50 bucks in my pocket and it's not even enough money to get me high on pills anymore. It just, it's does not work. And so I'm at my buddy's house and he's like, dude, 50 bucks, bro. He's like $5 with heroin. You'll be high as a kite. And I was like, $5? I was like, that's pretty cheap. So I try heroin for the first time, and he didn't lie. He did tell the truth. $5, I was high as a kite. Um, didn't know after that it would ruin my whole life. And uh, basically, I went through a year and a half of being a heroin addict, and I lost my character. And people will say, like, if you're already doing drugs, you have no character. But in that world, like, it's not taboo to do drugs, but it's taboo to, to lie and steal still. It's taboo to still be a murderer. Like there's still a moral sense for people that are using drugs, but I lost those things. You lose them slowly, you know? So slowly I I lose who I am completely to drugs. I become totally dependent on heroin. And uh, I'm basically just living every single day out at this point, trying to get drugs and heroin. I start robbing Walmart. I start, start robbing Lowe's. I start robbing all these places. I'm looking for receipts so I can return items. I'm stealing stuff right out of the store at Walmart. Like one time we go into Walmart and uh, my buddy, he's like, dude, how are you going to steal it? And I was like, just watch me. So I walk right in. I fill my arms full of all this stuff. And I walk right out the front door and he's like, dude, you have brass balls, bro. 
And uh, at that point, you know, I just, I, I'm a total addict. Like there was no sense of like having guts about the situation. Like I want these drugs. There's no guts involved. Like, so long story short, I steal my dad's truck. My parents have, remember, this is a six to eight year period, okay? So they are refusing more and more stuff for me, like drastically as it goes. Like they're like, okay, you can only take the car out on the weekends. Oh, okay, you can't take the car out at all. Okay, I broke my car. Like I told you last week when I hit that stop sign and ran over that thing and popped, that was true. That was true. I fell asleep at the wheel. I blasted over the middle median. I annihilated a stop sign, destroyed all my tires, destroyed my car. Um, so they started taking stuff from me minute by minute. Sorry, this apple cider vinegar is annihilating my tummy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, okay, good. Not good, but like that we're like experiencing this together. So um, at this point, I have no responsibilities to my name. I'm not trusted with anything. I have used my parents' car over and over. There was times I took my dad's 15-passenger work van out to go party, okay? I, there's no seats in the back. I've got people in the back of his van sitting on the floor with beers and bongs, and we're heading to parties in a 15-passenger van. I'm high on, I'm high on Molly uh, with weed in my pocket. The girl I'm talking to is high on Molly, and we're all partying in a 15-passenger van. We get pulled over on the side of the road, and the cop searches me for all this stuff. Long story short, he lets us go, and we go to the party anyway. But the point is, I'm just saying it was wild. It was just like there was no sense of like, wait, is this crazy? I never had that feeling like my life is derailed. Like that never occurred to me like I'm destroying my whole life. One day I realized, I was like, wait, I'm high. Maybe I'm not making good choices. Like, it was, like, totally foreign to me that I couldn't make good choices while I was doing drugs. Um, so, anyway, long story short, I have no responsibilities under my name. And my dad's truck keys, they started hanging the keys in a, in a key ring in the middle of the living room so I couldn't get to them. They used to, like, set them wherever. But now they started setting them in the most public place possible so I couldn't steal them. So while they're watching a movie, I come around the front of the living room and I like cover the keys with my shoulder a little bit. And so I'm like talking to him, talking to him, talking to him. The keys are right there. And like as I turn around, I snag them and I walk out the door. So they don't think like, oh, I'm grabbing something. I just like came into the living room and left. I steal his truck. I go and pick up heroin with this guy. And you got to, you know, in this drug life, a lot of my mind, my mindset scheming thinking about how am I going to do this? How am I going to get 50 bucks? How am I going to get 60 bucks? How am I going to get a car? How am I going to like get this stuff? This is a daily basis. How you're thinking? I steal my dad's truck. I go pick up a, a drug dealer. His name's D. He's like a 45 year old, um, uh, guy at the time. I'm like 22, you know, it's this side note story. I'm going to give a little tangent. Just, were you going to say something? Well, you said his name's D. I worked with a yeah. guy who was also a drug name or drug dealer. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, who also, the nickname was D. Yeah, well, they like nicknames because they don't want you to know their real name. Yeah. Um, it's a safety precaution. Mm -hmm. But uh, long story short, uh, basically, uh, I'm going to give a little, little side story here about D. And it's just because just it'll give you a, a little note of the drug world. Okay. Um, I'm, 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 D doesn't have a car, okay? But he has all the connections. So I used to pick him up all the time and we'd go pick up drugs. Well, one time we're doing drugs after he picks me, after I pick him up. <laughs> And he's sitting in the car next to me. He starts crying. There's a 45-year-old man. He starts bawling next to me. And he looks at me and he goes, Chaz. I'm Chaz at the time. He goes, Chaz, you're my friend, right? And at that point, I thought to myself and I was like, I didn't say this. And I'm like, you're my drug dealer. You're not my friend. And I lied to him and I was like, yeah, of course we're friends. 
And the point was, is he sat there, he spent, he spends all his time with people that don't care about him and only want him for his drugs. And I've been on both sides of the coin. When I was a drug dealer during this whole phase, which I skipped, I had 12 grand in cash saved up. I had a lot of drugs. I was shipping in two pounds from California into Illinois every single week. I was making like three to $4,000 a week. So the point was, is I know what it's like on both sides of the coin to be just the addict and heroin. And I also know what it's like to turn all your friends out to where everybody is coming to you for drugs. And it's very, very sad because you, you forget the line between, do you care about me? Do you want to hang out with me? Or am I just a thing that you use? Um, so long story short, I steal my dad's truck and I'm driving back. I finally get the drugs. You got to remember, after you get some drugs, you're the happiest guy in the whole world. Everything's good for about the next six hours. And uh, my dad tech, he calls me. What do I do? No answer. <laughs> of course. Like, what else am I going to do? Hey, daddy, yo, what's up? Got your truck. Just stole it. Going to be back soon. No, like, I no answer. Calls me again. No answer. I'm like, at this point, I'm sweating, okay? Because I think he knows. He texts me. And this is what changed my whole life. No lie. And this moment was the pivot. He texts me and he goes, Charles or Chaz, somebody stole my truck. Will you come help me find it? And in that moment, I read the text and I was like, he believed after seven years, six years of drug use, heavy drug use, heavy problems. There's a lot more to this story. I'm highly condensing it. Mm -hmm. Heavy problems. And he believed that his son, who's a drug addict, did not steal his truck and he's looking for help to find it. And I dropped my head and I texted him back and I was like, dad, nobody stole your truck. I did. And in that moment, it was so small. But when he believed the best in me, it changed my whole life. When I went home, I said, guys, the Lord told me in the truck, he said, you need to go to Go Ministries. And uh, I came back home and I, and I told my parents, and I haven't been to Go at this point. I haven't seen them in 10 years. It's been a decade since I heard of Go. I came back home and I was like, guys, I need to go to Go Ministries. I told my parents that. My dad held me to it for a month. I did not leave town till I paid back all the debts I had owed. I paid back everybody all the debts I owed, and then I left for Go Ministries, and I stayed there for five years. Um, okay, now we're at ministry. Wow. <clears throat> we're um, at ministry, yeah. Wow, I just want to pinpoint here... Um, I guess I'm kind of jaw dropped because <laughs> um, that's amazing how the, just that one moment just changed everything. Everything. And I know. You never know what moment, like if you're, you never know what action or what moment you'll do infect someone's entire life. Um, I know. A text. A text. A text. Not even a conversation. A text. Your dad could have easily, because obviously they knew stuff was going on they're not yep yeah they're not dumb and oblivious oh yeah he could have easily just blown up on you and been like dude you stole the truck like oh, no yeah. more like bring that back right now you're cut off from i don't know everything oh, but instead sure. just believing the best and being like hey someone stole the truck help me find it it's just like it's incredible anyway yeah no i i know i know it's a crazy story and uh, what's crazy, too, is it doesn't even feel like me. 
that's the weird part. Like when I tell the story, it's, it's a story. There's no emotional attachment anymore. Like I don't feel bad about who I was and I didn't, I don't feel bad about what I did now. And this is the only in Christ thing because a lot of people will deal with remorse for years. They'll be like trying to get over issues that they had a decade ago, feeling like a, like a piece of junk about their lives. Um, but anyway, so I go to go. I'm going to condense this all because it says, uh, give us your ministry experience, the nitty gritty, the boring untold parts and the awesome parts and everything. So I'm going to really, I wanted to get to go. I'm going to tell you the really, really good parts about ministry, not just go. Okay. This isn't go centric. This is just about, but my experience is from sobriety. You got to remember, like I have my teenage years up to 18 and then I have seven years of nonstop drug use. There was points when I couldn't, I was doing experimental drugs that I was shipping in from China on the label. It says not for human consumption. I'm doing these drugs. There's a point when I could not remember 15 minutes. My parent, my mom said I would say stuff to her and she'd be like, do you remember you just said that? And I'd be like, no, I don't remember it at all. Did I just say that? And I had no memory at all. I bought ounces of this stuff. So the point being, um, I don't know what the point was that, <laughs> what that was, <laughs> but, uh, but you're at anyway, go. yeah, I'm at go, man. And it's a godsend that I'm there. And one thing, uh, one thing that really blessed my mom is that she told me, and she went through a lot of hard times because my dad, you know, like he was available for me, but my mom was like next to me. And, uh, he told my mom, he was like, you know what, we'll leave the light on for you. And so the point was, is, you know, when you have a porch light on, it's like inviting. Mm -hmm. And so he told my mom, like, anytime your son's ready, the light's on. So I go to go. Takes two months for me to get clean. I've got some some emotional issues. Okay. And I didn't even know I had emotional issues because I'm an extremely happy-go-lucky person. And, uh, but I have somebody, what's called an AP, an accountability partner. If I didn't have one, I would have failed a thousand times over. There's no way around it. The reason why is because like one time I found a half cigarette in the parking lot. Well, I had to hide it because, um, because I have an accountability partner. But if I didn't have the accountability partner, I would have just been taking stuff here and there, whatever I found, blah, blah, blah. So I ran into the woods one time and smoked half a cigarette during my internship. So Go Ministry says... A, two separate things. They have what's called a internship and an internship. I don't even think they do a internship anymore, but, um, yeah. What they, what they do is it's special case. Um, so if there's a young youth needing help, um, I don't know. I don't even know how they get in contact, but they'll still take in. But since go has moved to, um, SCC, they now send people, um, to, uh, Eagle, Eagle Creek. Creek. Got it. So, yeah. Got it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so anyway, uh, <clears throat> I'm at Go Ministries. It takes me about two, two, two months before I don't crave heroin. And uh, I guess, let me, let me look at this real quick. Give us your ministry experience, the nitty gritty, the boring, the untold parts, the awesome parts, everything. Okay. I'll just keep Let's, going. Keep going while you're okay, going on. I know, this, but I feel like it's going to be This is so really long. good. Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. Okay. So. I'm two months in. It takes me to get off drugs. I've got some serious emotional problems because I'm blowing up on my accountability partners. Um, one time I have an accountability partner named David, um, and I did not like David at all. I just He bothered me to the core at first, and one time I did something, and he laughed. I thought inherently it would mean meant I, I was stupid. So I, I started getting mad at him. I'm like, dude, why are you laughing at me, bro? Why are you laughing, dude? I'm not funny, dude. Like I thought he was laughing at me, and he goes, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing... I'm laughing the situation off so I don't get, um, 
I don't get angry or I don't get hurt. And uh, because I was tough to deal with. And I, I realized at that point, I was like, dang, okay, maybe I don't understand. Because in my head, for some reason, and maybe I'm brash, or maybe I have a tendency to think I'm always right or whatever, I just thought that anything, how I saw it was exactly how it was. Like there wasn't mm-hmm. a perspective outside of what was obvious to me. And uh, long story short, I just had, while you're in that AP or the uh, internship, you don't have a phone or anything. And I had moments where I would stay up late at night while everybody was asleep and I would pace the room and I would just pray and I would feel God's presence come on my shoulders. And it was so heavy in the room. And, uh, he would talk to me and tell me how long I was going to be at the ministry. And I would just worship by myself. And I'll go all the way back to when I was 14 or 15. I led worship, but I never felt God. I'm in church, but I never felt God. And I, I, everything looks right. My parents have a big 400-person church. I'm leading worship at youth. We have like 30, 40 kids. Um, I know how to play music. I can sing. Everything seems right, but it's just so wrong. I had no sense of... It says in the Word that some people have avoided their conscience and they have seared their conscience, conscience shipwrecking their faith. And that was my life. I had just done wrong for so long. I had seared my conscience. I had no sense of up, which way was up. Like there's like this sense in me of being a, every person has a conscience, a a right and wrong barrier. It's like, this is right. This is wrong. Every person, whether you're a Christian or not, because if you ask unchristian people, like, is it okay to murder somebody? They're like, absolutely not. Well, who told you so? Mm -hmm. Who who told you it's right and wrong? Like, what is telling you on the inside? What is bearing witness? What is revealing to you right and wrong? And if there is a right, then who's the right giver? So the point, long story short, you know, I didn't have a sense of right and wrong growing up. And I could do anything. I looked at pornography for years, years, from 12 till three years into my ministry at Go Ministries. And I finally got free at Go. And, uh, looked at pornography for years and years. And I mean, I'm just so brash at one point. I'm at go in the very beginning and I'm looking at pornography on my phone and the guys come up to me. I'm just sitting in bed. It's a 16 person room or 14 person room and the be- the the beds are faced towards the wall so they can't see my phone. So I'm sitting on my bed. I have a bunkmate right on top and they come over to me and they go, hey Charles, you going to go to prayer? And I like look at my phone and stare at pornography for a second and then look back at them I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to skip today. And just like man, I was just brazen. My heart was seared. I like, do you not realize that you're in a place that's supposed to be devoted to Christ? It says in Timothy, I was just reading this today or yesterday. It says in Timothy, it says, Timothy, don't let people despise you because you're youth, but be an example in speech, in faith, in love, and in purity. Impurity. See, if there's a a Holy Spirit, it says um, that the Holy Spirit convicts the world, but it says that righteousness is imputed to Christians. See, when you walk outside of righteousness, you know you can feel it. It's not the Holy Spirit's position to convict you. It's the Holy Spirit's to convict the world of sin so that they come to Christ because they need a Savior. Well, long story short, righteousness is supposed to be our lead. So, you know, I was just, I was broken, no conscience, uh, didn't feel bad about anything. And when I came to Christ, I started feeling bad about pornography, bad about it. And I started getting to these points where I'm sobbing. I, I had times when I was at go and I would look at it, no big deal. Didn't feel bad about it at all. And then I had other times I'd look at porn and then I'd, I'd come out of the room and I'd fall to my knees and I just start sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and I'm crying my heart out and I'm telling God, sorry. 
And uh, the reality is, and this is what truly bought me freedom. I, I know this isn't ministry stories, but this is, I guess, this is uh, this is the big the big hook, line, and sinker. I'm addicted to porn, and I'm telling God I'm sorry. But the reality was that as long as I told myself I was addicted, I was never going to be free. And this is why, because an addicted man can't walk out of it. See, if you're in prison, you can't leave. Nobody can. Nobody can leave your prison. But the Bible says, this is what God told me. He said, son, and and, and, (laughs) this is a little side note, but I had tried like three or four programs to get free. I went through um, this six CD course that told me it would take three years to get free from pornography. I thought to myself, three years? Holy crap, that's a long time. I've been addicted for 12 years. So if I'm addicted for 24, is it going to take six years? If I'm addicted for 36, is it going to take 12 years to get free or nine years to get free? A whole whopping decade, you know? So at that point, I thought to myself, man, Jesus works slow. He sent this, he sent this UPS ground, man. Like I need this FedEx next day right now. My life is ruined. And, uh, I went through another program um, by John Bevere, and I didn't finish half the program, and it was like a porn-free course. Nothing changed. I called him one minister that's reputable. He told me, pray in the Spirit 30 minutes a day. Prayed in the Spirit 30 minutes a day, and I looked at boobs every single day, guaranteed. I called another minister, asked what to help, what to do. No help. And, and, and you know, I'm not discounting any of these ministers or ministries, but I am saying this. <laughs> it took me going through all this. This is three years of, of turmoil and for the for me to sit down and ask the Lord what I should do. And it's like all the ministers in the world forgot to be like, did you pray? Not did you pray for a change, but did you ask God? Did did you look for an answer from from your heavenly father? Not because it's different. Lord, free me. Free me from my my chains and my shackles. And then you leave the room. You're not looking for an answer here, okay? You're looking for a life vest. But here's the thing. If Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, that means your freedom has been here for 2,000 years. And if it has, that means that you have a responsibility to walk out of it at any point. If you're looking for a new crucifixion, you won't find one. So the point being, I finally go to God and I ask him and he goes, Charles, if whom this, and this is a Bible verse, it says, whom the son sets free, whom Jesus sets free, me is free indeed. He said, if that is really, really true, Charles, what does that make you? I sat there for a second, my head dropped, and I said, responsible. And he said, responsible. He goes, you look at porn because you want to. You look at boobs because you like it. You're staying in this world because you want it, not because you're addicted, because you choose it. It's just like the Garden of Eden. He said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and I set before you trees that will make you live forever. And he said, choose this day. And it's always the same. Jesus came so you'd have choice again, not so you'd live perfectly. So the point being, he comes back into my life and he goes, Charles, I'm setting before you choice. You're not going to be perfect unless you choose it. You're not going to be mature unless you choose it. And you're not going to look at pornography unless you choose it. And at that point, I walked away because I realized I had the ability to and I had the responsibility to. And uh, I could make the choice. I could spend the next 30 years of my life looking at boobs looking at naked girls that I don't even know, looking at random people having sex, thinking about as couples walk by, because my mind is so destroyed with pornography as a couple walks by, I think about what their sex life is like. That could have been my whole life. You know, family, oh, is family off guards? Like, oh, you think you can look at porn of all these random girls? And here's the thing. I'm not going to say that part, but um, long story short, three years into my ministry at Go Ministries, or God's ministry, whatever you want to call it, um, 
I walked away from porn. I walked away from porn. And that's God, God's, by God's grace alone, <laughs> small note is every time I said and I told people I'd be free for like two weeks. And free, I say that in quotes because if you walk back, you're not free. But I'd stop mm-hmm. looking at porn for like a week or two. And I'd tell everybody, I'm free. Yeah, I got free. I figured it out. Knew exactly what to do. I would, f- I guaranteed I would fall and I would look back at it two or three days later. The reason why is because if you don't give the glory back to God, there's no grace for you. He says he opposes the proud. He opposes, meaning God is literally against you. Mm-hmm. How are you going to win? You're going to win anything with God against you? <laughs> there's no way. So the point was, is I had to give glory to God. Everything is the grace of God. You know, he gave me the ability to walk out of it. He gave me the revelation to walk out of it. And he gave me the strength every single day. And I'm not prude and I'm not stupid to this day. I'm still careful about it. I don't put my eyes. It says, for this is the will of God, my sanctification, that I would abstain. If you look up the word abstain, it means to stay far away from, that I would abstain from sexual immorality. And I would know how to possess my vessel, my body, in sanctification and in honor. Sanctified is this process that you would become clean and pure. Remember, Timothy, be an example in these things, in speech, in conduct, in faith, in love, and in purity. So, long story short, I walked out of pornography, and uh, six months later after that, oh, no, wait, about six months later, I, I get engaged to get married. Wow. First girl, first girl I dated after five years of being in go ministries no relationships first girl i dated i married within eight months wow and uh i had just walked out of pornography at that point and the lord told me after i walked out of it i I pointed to a girl that i thought was really really like the most beautiful girl i've ever seen online i'm like lord what about her and he's like her boom got married eight months later the rest is history i'm living in mason texas um free from pornography i'm free from drugs uh, I can thank Go Ministries for being a conduit of it, but the prop, but the reality was is no program can free a man, only Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, my life is testimony. So wow. that's ministry. Yeah, that's ministry. That's ministry. That's Christ, man. Mm-hmm. It's cool. That was really good. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was really good. Thanks. I'm a little speechless. Um but that's like that's one thing I always think about you, Charles. Is um, you're one of the most genuine people I know. Um, yeah. And so hearing that's because I've I've known some of the story because I came to go. Um, technically, I guess our first year was after your internship program mm-hmm. when you were an yep. intern. Um, and so a lot of your life story, we were in go together. Together, yeah. um, Like thinking of your wife, which I'm excited to talk to. Is she down to do it next week? She's down next week, next week. Next we'll week. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember you sending that message of just, hey, because um, I was like, oh, you're like texting someone. And it's just cool seeing how that relationship was able to flourish, flourish just with I know. God, you know. Uh, Oh man, it makes sense. Um, that apple cider. Yes, yeah, um, it's intense, dude. That was a lot. It was a little too much. I got halfway through mine and I realized I was almost done with it, and I was like, "We're going all the way." Yeah, I don't know. It's probably why, why that mentality probably got me in trouble a lot in my life. Yeah, um, I guess I don't have. Oh man, I want to make. Are you talking about the questions? Yeah, I want to ask you 
questions, but it's like yeah, it's hard to ask you a question. We definitely need to do this part two. Yours was definitely a lot more serious than mine was. Um, yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing, man. Like, uh, and this is to your to your your speaking benefit. My whole life, like when you lose everything, like what am I gonna hide? Like what mm-hmm. am I gonna tell people? Am I going to go up in church? Everybody at my parents' home church knew I was falling off the deep end. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm coming high as a kite. I'm falling asleep places. I'm stealing from people. I'm telling people I'm going to bring. My whole life was on display, destroyed. There's nowhere to hide. <laughs> there's nothing else to tell these people but the God's honest truth because there's my whole life is on a billboard, mm-hmm. you know, when you're this bad. So I, I say that to say, like, uh, I think I'm pretty humble. Um, I'm, there's definitely places I can be more humble. Um, I know that for sure. I can be a little vain sometimes. Um, but, uh, but it makes it easy when everything gets destroyed. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm hoping we can talk with, um, your parents, like specifically your mom sometime in the future. Yes. That That would be be cool. Super cool. Do like a part two. We need to. Yeah. Um, cause she's awesome. She's, I, her, uh, so everybody knows Charles's mom is Pastor Denise. She yep. is awesome. I call her whenever I like when I was in Go and I was questioning, man, should I be here? Because that would happen almost every year where I'm like, yep. dude, should I be here? One of the first people I'd call is Pastor Denise, and she would say pretty close to the exact same thing of um, whenever you're in a season, it's important to how you exit a season is how you'll enter into the next season. And God called you there, so finish that season. Essentially, she would say other yep. things, and it would yeah, be like, yeah. man, this is, She'd you're smooth right. smooth talk you. You're right. She'd smooth talk you, I know. Um, so, I guess our next segment is a warning and a wisdom. Do you have a warning and a, a, warning wisdom. And a wisdom, my good sir? Okay. A warning and a wisdom. I'm going uh, <clears throat> to take my wig off for this one. I'm surprised it lasts that long. <laughs> it's really hot. Okay, so this is an interesting look. I look like a I look like a sports announcer. You do. You do. And hello. Um, okay. <laughs> I felt like it was good, but there was no response. So then I got insecure about it. Okay. So, no, that was really good. I wanted to okay, add you. in. I feel more secure. <laughs> I wanted to add in and be like, <laughs> it's kind of an interesting strategy. Not gonna lie. Um, okay, a warning and a wisdom. This is going to be simple. And I guess you'd think from somebody's life... One sec. You'd think from someone's life that was so seriously messed up, they're going to give you like this massive piece of warning. And mm-hmm. it's going to be really small. Define good in your life so clearly. This is why. People will say when they have somebody who is willing to spend time with them, but ha- but makes poor choices themselves, they're a good friend. Mm, no, they're not. No, they're not. They're an available friend. They're not a good one. Hmm. Define good. Oh, I wake up in the morning early. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good morning. Good morning. Is it a good morning or is it just an early morning? Hmm. What's a good morning? If God is the only thing that's good, what's really good? A friend that's going to lead you to God or a friend that's available? Really define what is good. The reason why is because if you don't, you'll say that you have good friends because they're available. Hmm. The reason why is because you'll say you have a good routine when the reality is it's actually half-baked. 
If you don't clearly define good, you will actually never be honest with yourself to make changes. I told myself for a long time that I had good friends. I had good friends, you know, and here's the thing. They were good people to the best of their ability, but they weren't good for me. And I wasn't good for them. It was both back and forth. And if I would have told myself, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What is good to me? Okay, I want somebody who builds me up, who who pushes me into my call and into my purposes and what I'm good at. I want somebody who speaks well of me. I want somebody who's there for me, okay? Once you define those, ask yourself, is that my best friend? Is my best friend that? Well, maybe I can find a different one. And here's the thing. I'm going to add a small little side note to this. Um, this was something I was just telling somebody the other day. There are people in, the, in your life that you're going to have to choose whether or not their friendship is worth them hurting you. Because every person is going to hurt you. Every person is going to let you down and you're going to have to make the choice. Are they going to learn by you walking away? Or are you going to learn by staying? Wow. So, you know, the point being, I just, uh, I've had so many relationships cost me so much. Girlfriends, ex-girlfriends, abortions, miscarriages, drug use. I never was around drugs until I met my best friend. And he was my best man at my wedding, okay? I'm not discounting him at all. I love him to death. He's an awesome guy. We were both in bad places, and we were both bad for each other. I was much worse for him in the end than he was for me because I got him into heroin, and he wasn't doing it at all. <laughs> Long story short, he's out of that now, just in case anybody watches this. But And, and, and a wisdom. I don't know. I, I feel like that's both. Yeah. You know, choose, yeah, choose your friends wisely, man. To define what is a good friend, what isn't. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel like that's both. That's that's awesome. That was good. I'm now trying to remember. <laughs> I'm trying to remember your wedding and <laughs> remembering who, who your best friend is. Jabari. What? It's Jabari. Jabari. Okay. Well, do you want that bleeped? So it was the, no, it doesn't matter. Okay. I didn't speak poorly of him. And here's the thing. Jabari's super humble. We went through a really, really crazy time for six years. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of drugs. We partied a lot. Uh, we both have stories. He's probably got his own story um, that's just as wild, and his perspective of me might be even different, you know? Maybe so, we should no, get him on. It, man, that would be literally so awesome. He's about to get married here soon, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, We yeah, should uh, so. interview him right before. Oh, that'd be awesome. right after. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll just crash the wedding, and then... We'll get a portable setup and... Dude, we wouldn't need to crash, bro. <laughs> Everybody is included. I, I know Jabari Mitchell, and here's a couple things. This is the last thing I'll say, okay? This is a side note, and this is the reason I love Jabari, okay? He made poor choices in drugs, and so did I. We were both encouraging to each other, but I will say this is the one thing he did very well. He always listened. Jabari was always available, and he would always listen to you, and you know what he would say after I'd say something? No way, dude! That is so cool! <laughs> Every Dude, he was in your corner no matter what. You could tell him you did 36 shots that night and you passed out in the middle of the road. And you, and he would be like, dude, you're awesome, bro. You're a great person. And here's the thing. If you look up the name Jabari, it means intelligent one who uses reason. Okay? Jabari, there's no way he can run from his name. He was so encouraging. He was so inviting. And he was kind to everybody. And he made friends everywhere he was. And that's why I loved him. That's we made poor decisions in the middle, but he was the bomb. That's awesome. I don't yeah. know if I met him or not. I wish I would have. Maybe in brief. Maybe in brief. Probably like a pass by. Yeah, like a sow sow. Yeah, yo. Um, your wedding was awesome. Anyway, I love that, that location. Thing was lit. Um, yeah, dude, it looked awesome. 
Uh, I might throw in a picture that I took after the wedding right here. Audio. That'd be cool. Yeah, do that. Because I went outside and I took a picture of the stars on my phone and it was super cool. Did it look good? Yeah, it looked surprisingly. Surprisingly cool. This is is the last thing I'll say. If you come out to Mason, we are 20 miles out of town, out of a 2,000-person town. Okay, We're 20 minutes out of town in a 2,000-person town. It is very, very condensed and very small. Um, and so you can, he's got a massive telescope. It's almost as tall as me. And you take it outside. You can look at the, the, the stars. They're so bright through the telescope, you almost can't look at them because it's like blinding. So if you come out, I'll ask, uh, I'm, I'll ask Mike, my father-in-law, if we can pull out the telescope. It's really cool. I'm going to have to come over there. Um, you got to. I have to. Um, yeah. So do you have anything else? No, no, you're not no, sprinting out it. a surprise at all. Nope, nope, no babies, no, no, nothing like that. So yeah, I'm, okay, I'm holding off on the kid game for a while. No, that's not what. I, oh, oh, okay, that's <laughs> no. I'm talking. Oh, I don't know. That's what people ask married people all the time. They're always like, "Any surprises?" No, and I'm no. like, "We're not have a baby." No, I'm talking about the podcast because last week I was like, "Oh, Whoa. I'm supposed to do this." I'm yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, 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 okay. Next week. We have to be completely shirtless. What? I'm just joking. <laughs> I knew you'd be like, dude, we can't do that. You You're me? very wholesome as a person, you know? Uh, um, okay, <laughs> next week we got to dress up like okay. we're um, pool, like, um, pool dudes. Beach beach dudes. dudes. We got be beach dudes. Beach dudes. Beach dudes. Yes. Beach dudes. Um, this was so good, man. Um, yeah. Really, I feel like a jokester. Like, you should put a, j- a joke hat on me because you were, no, su- you were super serious. Um, that was super awesome. Um, I guess we can close out now. Um, okay. How do we close? I don't know. Is the theme music ready? And... And thank you for listening to the the God Dots podcast, ministry stories, and, and the people, people we, we meet, meet along, along the way. If you have any questions for us, you can send us an Instagram message on our Instagram, or, or you can send us an email at goddotspodcast at, at gmail.com. Again, that is goddotspodcast at gmail.com. This has been hosted by Charles and Matt, both pretty all right guys, and I hope you enjoyed this and... Like I said, if you want to be on the show and, you know, message us, reach out. Oh, my goodness, you're ruining your costume. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I'm not, I have a costume coming up. You know what? You got to take the picture with that on, you know. Side note, the Sharpie burns my face. It does? Yeah, I don't know why. It burns my face. It's probably an allergic my, reaction. My lips are burning. You know what's really burning my tummy? <laughs> that apple cider yes. vinegar. Yeah, I can feel it, too. It's sitting just right. And cut. Cut.